I think that unless we know like all different types of situations, the role plays never end. There's so many different scenarios in insurance because we're dealing with humans that it never ends role-playing it and trying to be proficient at it. It's like a study of sociology or humans. You've got all different kinds of responses and hesitations that you get. And then also we have to check in with our history and our baggage of why we get triggered sometimes when other people don't. So what I I always say, and you know, in my 23, 24 years now, there's been nothing that has impacted my agency more than role-play, not a CRM, not a new tool, not a lead vendor, zero has impacted my agency as much as Roleplay has. And the cool thing is, it's free. So the big question is this, how do small business owners like us grow our business, grow our leadership and develop our teams in a way that allows us to get our products and services out of the world, yet still remain profitable? That is the question. And this podcast will give you the answers. I'm Bradley Hamner, and this is the Club Capital Leadership Podcast. Hey, before we get into today's episode, did you know that Club Capital is the largest accounting and advisory firm for insurance agency owners in the country, providing monthly accounting, CFO services, and tax preparation? Check them out at club.capital. Welcome to another episode of the Club Capital Leadership Podcast. My name is Bradley Hamner. Thank you for joining us again today. When we started the podcast, Somebody who I knew we were going to have on at some point was Jeremy Olson and Kristen Isaacson. Jeremy's been an insurance agency owner in the Seattle, Washington area, and now expanded into multiple locations in Washington since 1997. When he was really young, he knew he was going to be an insurance agency owner. His grandfather was an agent for many years and his father was an agent for many years. And so insurance is in his blood. You can feel the passion he has for the insurance industry. Jeremy has been able to grow an agency from zero scratch agency to over $40 million, I believe, with seven different locations at this point, a bustling team, an incredible culture. Kristen is the team coach and manager at the Olson Agency. She has over 20 years of experience. She's worked with companies like Nordstrom and U.S. Bank and then ultimately the Dale Carnegie training. And that's where she got to know Jeremy and Jeremy was able to recruit her. And we talk about that story and just how important it is for the agency owner to find talent, find incredible people like he has with Kristen. And Jeremy has expanded that to build just an unbelievable team. You don't get to his size with that many locations, with an incredible culture, and continue to grow without surrounding yourselves with the right people, and more importantly, having the right mindset. You'll see that theme play out over and over again. I am so excited to be able to introduce to you Jeremy Olson and Kristen Isaacson. I left with so many additional questions that I want to be able to ask them, and hopefully we'll be able to have them on the podcast in the future. Without further ado, let's get into it. Wouldn't it be a great start to 2021 by having more leads in your book of business? Well, that's where our partners at Direct Clicks Inc. come in. Their team's dialed-in approach to running Google ads and online SEO campaigns maximize the quality and the volume of your leads, whether that's for inbound phone calls or even exclusive leads through your website. Direct Clicks Inc. works only with PNC insurance agency owners, so they have thousands of hours creating, A-B split testing, and improving online campaigns specifically for insurance. They also understand why each and every marketing dollar matters in providing true results, low paper clicks, transparency, and attention to detail. 
all of which is discussed in depth during your monthly review calls. Reach out to the Direct Clicks team at directclicksinc.com. That's directclicksinc.com and find out how they can make a difference in your approach to generating new business. Jeremy and Kristen, welcome to the Club Capital Leadership Podcast. Thank you. Thank you. We're happy to be here. So I've been really looking forward to this podcast for quite some time. So I'm glad we were able to get connected and just be able to introduce so many of our listeners I know are already going to be familiar with both of you and what you do with RPOA. But before we get into any of that, I really want to go back and I want to just talk about both of your background and origin stories. And so, Jeremy, why don't you just start for people that don't know you, don't know your story. Maybe they know you from where you are today, but not necessarily how you got started. Why don't you go from there? And then, Kristen, I'll let you pick it up. Sure. Yeah. So. My story, I guess, would start with the fact that I've literally known since I was four years old that I wanted to get into the insurance industry, which I think is quite different. My father was actually a state farm agent for 47 years. My grandfather was for 25. So four years old, I said, I want to be an insurance agent. And so everything I really did in life, every job I took, where I went to school, what I studied, everything really had that in mind. My dad had his office in our house for a few years and I'd go listen to him. And I just loved the way that it allows us to connect to people and to build relationships. And really, you can make it what you want. You can be a one or two person shop or you can have 30, 40 like we do at this point. But I just loved what it allowed us to do as business owners. So fast forward, now been an agency owner for 20. This is my 24th year I did start scratch with one location and it was just my wife and I at the beginning. At this point, I have seven locations and a team of 40 and just still love it as much as I ever have. I just think it's the greatest industry ever. And I still work as many hours as I did day one. I still am the first one in, last one to leave. I used Kristen. to try to compete with that and I gave up because he comes in way too early. And I always say it's because it probably takes him 15 minutes to get ready. It takes me a little bit longer. So that's the only reason why. Just kidding. But he is a workaholic. But yeah, my background is in sales. Actually, when I was in my early 20s, I wanted to be in sales so bad. And I was just thinking, how am I going to do that? And so I started my sales career at Nordstrom. And the reason why I did that, I did that very intentionally is because I wanted to give that high level of service. To me, Nordstrom was the epitome of sales and service combined. And I wanted to build that relationship with customers. So I started my career there and then moved into financial planning and insurance. I worked for U.S. Bank for a little while and then MetLife Insurance. And then I got the bug for professional development and I was introduced to a company called Dale Carnegie Training. And as soon as I was introduced to Dale Carnegie's books, I found out that they had a training center. I had to work for them. I just knew I had to. So I called them and I basically told them that and talked them into hiring me and became like a business consultant at first, which is just literally working with business owners and helping them get into the training. And then I got certified as a Dale Carnegie trainer and started teaching for them and just absolutely loved that. That is my mission. And I felt like it was really cool that I could combine all of my experience in sales and building relationships into facilitating these classes too and facilitating the soft skills, learning and development with people. It really is the same. Facilitating a conversation in sales is literally the same as facilitating a class, in my opinion. And so with being at Dale Carnegie, 
Jeremy Olson and some of his team members walked in the door one day and took a workshop from us. And I struck up a conversation with him. And three years later, I ended up working for Jeremy and his team, even though I thought I was going to be a Dale Carnegie lifer. I still teach their classes avocationally. So, so believe in what they do. Jeremy still sends people from our team through the Dale Carnegie class. So we're big believers in that. But he offered me an opportunity here where I could see his vision and see my future in that vision. And so that's how I ended up at the Olson Agency. That is so great. I love hearing people's background stories, how they got to where they are today. So thank you so much for sharing that and giving us some of the perspective and how both of you got to where you are today. So I was really trying to think about, okay, there's so many questions I have for both of you, but I feel like the most logical place to start is with the importance and the power of our mindset, because I think it really everything originates from there. We talk about mindset, skill set, tool set. And Jeremy, just in the short conversations we've had before this podcast started and in our conversation the other day, it is evident to me that everything has originated from your mindset and the way that you initially approach situations, how to grow the business your team, talent acquisition, et cetera. And we'll get into some of those specifics. Can you just talk about the importance of mindset and then how you feel like that you do approach business? I would just say for me, I've never understood not wanting to be the best. It doesn't mean insurance has to be that for everybody, but whether you're doing insurance, whether you are stand on the street corner, twirling signs, advertising the business down the street, we always should be the best. And that's just always been my mindset of driving towards growth. It is Our lives, our business is all about growing and being the best possible person we can be. And so that's what I've always led with. That's why Kristen is here, because eight years ago, I was at that workshop and I saw, man, this can really help my team. That's why we were there. I then saw Kristen start working a little bit one-on-one with some of my team members. A guy named Mike was the first one and just saw incredible results. And so I thought, well, I need that for my team. I mean, our people, our teams are everything. It is my job, my duty, my role to give my people the best opportunity to succeed. That's what I do. That's what an agency owner should always be doing is working to make their people better so that their agency wins. And so when I started to see these results, to me, it was just natural. Well, I need a team coach full time. And so I approached Kristen with that. I said, man, it would be so cool to have you on our team full time as a team coach. And I remember a lot of people around the country, they would look at me like, okay, so you're going to spend payroll money on somebody that they just coach. They don't sell for you. They don't do any of that. And I never understood that because to me, it was so clear if I develop my people and give them the best opportunity, the best coaching possible every day. That's just going to make my agency better. But to me, more importantly, it made them as human beings better. So I was going to ask this. and I think it's a great segue. So talking about the importance of training and development, let's say that somebody's listening to this and they don't have the cash flow. They don't have the runway right now, but they also recognize the importance of what you're saying. And they say, yes, I need to do that. But there's a cognitive dissonance. They say, I'm not that great at that. I struggle with being able to really be consistent in the training and development Kristen, how would you recommend that someone says, I need to do this, but maybe I'm not the person, but I can't afford it, Kristen. And I have a really small team. I have four people in my office. So how does that work for me? Can you just talk about that specifically? 
Well, I think, and really quick before I talk about that, just to circle back around to your mindset, skill set, tool set, this might really hit home for you too, is when I worked at Dale Carnegie, we used to tell people the reason why we teach like the soft skills and attitude is because psychologists say that we can learn in three different ways. And these are the three different ways that lead to our success. So we call it the triangle of success. So the first one is knowledge. The second one is skills. And the next is attitude. And what psychologists have found is that most companies and even schools, if you notice, they train in the area of knowledge. 95% of most people's learning is done in the area of knowledge. And they also found that only 15% of their success comes from knowledge. The other 85% comes from skills and attitude. So things like learning to work a sales process, understanding how to communicate clearly and concisely the first time around, attitude, just generating that enthusiasm. Have you ever gone somewhere where you've watched a guest speaker and your energy is just up after you listen to them talk? And then on the adverse, maybe you talk to somebody and you walk away feeling like your energy is just totally diminished. Yeah. So that's why this mindset stuff is so important because we have to be able to exude our energy and be able to train people with our energy. So the first thing that I would say to a agency owner or someone that really wants to train their staff is be authentic. So figure out how to be authentic. And then the second thing, you can start anywhere. I started with How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. I recommend that man that to any. But that's really what got me. I've always been interested in professional development or just personal development too. But you can read a book. It doesn't cost you. You could go to the library and get the book, but it could cost under $20 to get started. You could read that book with your team. It doesn't have to be like these huge investments. The investment of time is the best investment that you can make in your team. And the investment in yourself has to be knowledge. Like when I first started here, Jeremy didn't run his agency like he runs it now. He was running the whole thing. He had another operations manager that had been here for a couple of years. Everybody was running off of Jeremy's energy and I want to be like Jeremy. That was the first thing that I heard when I got here. A lot of people felt like they couldn't be like Jeremy because he wasn't a professional sales trainer. I remember asking him, what's your sales process? And he was like, you go out there and you sell insurance, you know, and you just like make it about the people. And I don't know, I'm not like formally trained. I just do it. And he's got a gift and he didn't know how to like actually articulate the how and the process behind Mm -hmm. that, because he's just got a gift. Like people who have that gift, they don't know why or how they got there. They just do. That's where all process comes from. Dale Carnegie had a gift of like really understanding people. So he wrote a book about it so that he could teach people what he learned. But the way that he taught people what he learned is by studying all of these great people like Lincoln and Aristotle and Jesus and all these different people who had been great. And so, but you've got to actually tell people how they were great and just puzzle it together. And so that's what we've done. That's what I've done since I've been here is basically puzzle together, like how he's been able to drive this success. And he's got these unique qualities that other people want to emulate, but everybody does. Everybody's doing something right. So check in with yourself as an agency owner. There's a reason why you are in your position. Find out what you're doing right first. Do more of that and then start building on your skill set. Start studying people that you admire. 
start listening to TED Talks, all those things. You know, you ask, and I get that asked all the time. I can't afford it, Kristen. I don't know how I can add a staff member. I don't know. How can I buy leads? I'm just starting out. And I totally get that. I've been through all of that. My answer is always find a way. Find a way. There is a way. To me and my agency, I will grow every single year from year one till I retire. There is zero chance I won't grow every year. Regardless of what happens in the industry, I will grow. And that's the mindset I have. Every few months, I speak to some new agent, a group of new agents. And there's always someone in the crowd that says, hey, Jeremy, the meeting's over now. Can you just give me one tip? Like, what would you do to be successful? What would you do? I want to be successful. And I think they're expecting me to give them the name of a lead vendor or maybe my best closing technique or the best CRM or a a spreadsheet (laughs) or something. And I always say the same thing. Yeah, the best advice I could ever give you would be right after this meeting, jump in your car and drive to the nearest bank and take out the biggest line of credit you possibly can because your job is now to invest in your growth. And people are so afraid to do that, but that really is what separates people that are successful in growth and people that are not. And I'm not saying growing is for everybody. Maybe people are happy being a two, three man shop. Awesome. Uh, Not saying my way is the only way. I'm just saying what's worked for me is to have that constant growth mindset. And I will grow at all expense, no matter what it takes. I'll tell you, two years ago, my company came out and this is it my 22nd year, like I've made awards every year, we've grown, we've done all these things. My company came out with uh, very difficult goals for me that I knew if I was going to achieve them, I had to literally go hire 10 more people. And Mm -hmm. so my mindset was, how can I have those people tomorrow? And I'm in a city, I'm in downtown Seattle, that's right next to Amazon, Google, Microsoft, very challenging to hire. This is pre-COVID, of course, Mm -hmm. but very challenging to hire. So, but I will not, not grow. So I had to figure that out. So I called Kristen, I called Cameron, my other team leader. This is two years ago. And I said, guys, we're heading East and uh, literally just picked a spot 300 miles away from this, where I had heard hiring was easier to do. It was going to be reasonable to be able to hire people and set up all these interviews We got in the car, we drove over there Friday morning, we did 30 interviews in three days, and we hired 11 people, and they started working on Monday off of card tables in a makeshift office, Uh, just started a completely new agency because I knew I had to invest, I had to grow, or else nothing else works. If you're not growing, you're dying. Man, I love that. Are you an agency owner looking to grow your revenue and increase your bottom line? Club Capital is here to help. Built for agents by agents, so we know your struggles. With accounting, payroll, and HR solutions, tax services, analytics, and more, let's get you on the path to serious success. Using data-driven insights, you'll grow your business based on revenue and expense comparisons alongside your top-performing peers. With over $100 million in tracked annual revenue and $70 million in tracked annual expenses, we have the data to help you make better informed decisions for your agency. Let's make your back office less of a hassle and more of the strategic generator that powers the growth to take your agency and your leadership to the next level. Visit club.capital today to book your complimentary, no obligation demo. Club Capital, way more than a CPA firm. If you're listening to this podcast, you're a growth mind oriented business owner. You want to grow, otherwise you wouldn't be listening to this podcast. But then you've taken it to another level with a mindset to say, we will grow. That is a mindset. 
And now well, the how and to it, actually do that, the strategies and its tactics is going to be dependent on environment, where you're located, et cetera, hiring challenges, that sort of thing. But at the end of the day, we will grow. We will find a way to make this happen. There's no chance we will never not grow. We will. But the thing I share, I'm very transparent with other agency owners, with my own team. To do that, I did exactly what I preached to people. I have not taken one dime out of my agency in 24 months, have not made a penny because I am so set. I will grow. I could have actually, with these growth goals, I could have cut half my team, made a great living the last, I would have made a lot more money the last two years, but that's not my end goal. My end goal is growth. Every year I will grow in five years, in 10 years, I will be bigger and bigger and bigger. And not just for me, because I love what I do. I love providing an opportunity for my team. One of the most important things, I love taking care of customers. I love growing. And if I said, well, this year, I'm just going to sit on the sidelines because my company gave me really difficult goals. Where would I be today? I'd probably be, well, every year we try to grow by two and a half, three million. So if I would have stopped two years ago, I'd be five or six million smaller than I was. I wouldn't have capital to invest. And I mean, it just causes so many negative things if you're not growing. So to me, I looked at it like, it sucks. 22 years, I shouldn't be having to do this, but never would I ever do any other decision than what I did. But you could see the finish line with that. And I, knew, you, I knew where we were going. Yeah. yeah. And then the other thing, I think that you find the growth, it's just like sports. You just keep on trying to get better. But then the other thing that you have to remember is he doesn't just say, just throw money at the business and say, let's see what happens. Like, oh, let's go buy a whole bunch of leads and let's see how everybody does that. We protect the investment with the training that we do, with making sure that we have systems and processes in place, with making sure that we have accountability measures and a good compensation plan. All those things protect that investment. I think a lot of times when he says that, he makes it sound so simple, just go put the money in the business, but it's not, you can't put the money in the business and walk away. Then it's the hard work. Like we spend a ton of time and a lot of hard work in the business and we always will in order to protect that investment that he's making and get the growth that he wants because it goes hand in hand. Yeah. And I think we'll probably get a little bit more into this, but for the first 22 years of my career, I had not purchased internet leads. I had heard the same thing. They don't retain very well. They just care about price. They buy bad coverage and you're building your book with bad policies. And so I never had purchased leads and we would always write four or 500 policies a month without them. Just working our current book and networking with loan officers and all the stuff that we all hear. But that was the decision I made. I was going to enter the lead game two years ago. Two years later, it'll be two years in March, we've got a whole arm of the business. We have now 10 or 11 people on that outbound arm where that's all they do is work leads. And we found a very unique way to kind of get them out of that mindset of being a lead prospect, Mm -hmm. of being a shopper. Our close rate for internet leads is 16%, which is probably three times the average, Unbelievable. but it's because yeah. we don't treat them like leads. We treat them like they're a true prospect. We work so hard on that conversation on turning them into their own mindset of understanding the importance of working with an agent. We all have to remember they jumped online. They just wanted to shop for the best rate. We got to unwind that. So we have a great close rate. We've been able to maintain our retention at over 90% despite wow. putting on three to 400 policies a month now from leads over the course of two years. 
That is fantastic. I mean, 16% closing ratio with 10, 11 people and 90% retention rate based on leads is unbelievable. And I have to tell you, I was thinking about investment. And so Christian, it's a little bit about what you were just saying. You're making this investment, you're hiring 10 people. It doesn't matter if it's 10 or if it's two, okay? And then you're buying leads. If you do not have the solid foundation of systems and processes, training and development, it will be a waste of money. You'll get a $100,000 line of credit and you'll blow it without any type of return if you don't have the actual foundation to actually invest in those people, give them the skills, right? And then teach them the things that they actually need to be successful. You will waste that money. You will waste those assets of the people. You will waste those leads. You'll have a 5% closing ratio and a 90% churn rate. It will be literally the opposite of that. And it all starts with the mindset, just like what we started this conversation. I'm so passionate about the leads and cold calls. It's like making something out of nothing. And to me, there's just a surprise waiting around the corner always, like a great conversation waiting around the corner. And we get to introduce ourselves to someone that we didn't know. So it's kind of, to me, it's very exciting. And when we first started this, like there is a stigma attached to leads that they're just going to turn them. And so... If you think that you're going to buy leads and they're going to leave after six months, you will buy leads and people will sell things on price and you will lose them after six months. Mm -hmm. If you believe that you can actually change their mindset and convert them to loyal customers, then you will be able to change their mindset and convert them to loyal customers. It's whatever you believe. It's the best probably business book of all time is the little engine that could. (laughs) that it just keeps on going up the hill. Like it's simple, but it's not because we let our mind get into this game of like, what if it doesn't work? And you just got to constantly believe that it will work. And when you do believe that you find a way for it to work. And it comes with a lot of hard work, a lot of role-playing we do in our agency all the time to keep people really quick because that beginning of the conversation with those types of leads there's immediate hesitation from someone that hasn't ever heard from you before. And so you've got to be quick on asking open-ended questions, being super friendly, bringing that experience, that wow experience to them from the first 90 seconds to five minutes of the conversation shouldn't really be about insurance. It should be all about them. And then going into quote, it's a different mindset than most companies have. If you call other companies that are quoting on insurance, they immediately just get into transactional mode, asking Mm -hmm. people what their VIN number is, asking them to spell their first and last name so that their information is accurate, their birth date, if they have any accidents or tickets on their record, just things that are super transactional. We do need that information, but if we don't build the trust, the chances are we're just going to only be selling on price and we're not going to be closing as many sales. One of my favorite subjects I really was excited to ask both of you today is just change management. The other day when we were talking about, and it was mentioned earlier that Jeremy, you were not a professional sales trainer. And so whenever you brought Kristen in and you began to implement role play, there was a lot of pushback. And so I'm thinking about someone listening to the podcast saying, okay, yes, I want to grow. I want to implement systems and processes. I want to implement a sales training process, a developmental program for my office. That's going to require change. And yes, it's got to start in the mind of the business owner first. We've discussed that, but it's going to face resistance. Jeremy, can you just talk about where your agency was at different places and how you've been able to create a culture to where change is just part of it? We're just going to continue to get better and how role play, et cetera, because I think change management is something that a lot of agents have really struggled with and being able to navigate those difficult waters whenever the team resists. 
I would say it starts with your culture. Culture has been something that's always been super important to me. And a lot of agents differ with me on this. I've always been a big believer in being very close with your team. To me, my team is truly my family. I'd do anything for them. They'd do anything for me. So I think it starts there. And as I was growing up, I would always be talking to other agency owners. And what I heard a lot, and probably including my own father, was these are your employees at 501. They go home, you go home. And that's never been my mindset. And I have very open communication with my team. I'm friends with most of them. I talk to them on the weekends, after hours. We're all one team. Just because I'm the owner, I just have a different role. My role is to lead these people, but I'm on their team too. And so I think it starts there with the culture. And we have morning meetings every single day. So we know each other very well. They know that I am always striving for growth, that I'm always going to take us to the goal. They believe in that, but they just know I will never run this ship with it being an option not to succeed. So they know that. And I think with managing the change, when I first got here, we were just kind of finding gap area after gap area. Like one was just first and just like how everybody's talking and kind of creating a repeatable process to help people talk. And it is, it is a little bit jarring to introduce role play. It was jarring to introduce a new script, a different way of talking about insurance. And I think that at first, Jeremy loves change and he loves deploying new ideas. And at first we deployed so many new ideas that people were kind of like, what's coming next? And we noticed that the culture was kind of sliding a little bit. And so we started to deploy a little bit slower and a little bit more intentional on how we deployed. So one thing I think is really important when you are managing change is to, we always say, just sit down with your team and have a conversation about what's changing, why it will benefit them, what the overarching goal for the business is. For example, if you were to introduce role play into your business, like I would just say, first of all, I realize that nobody, like 100% of the people that I talk to that have never role played in sales, wants to role play. Like they just don't want to because it makes them feel uncomfortable. They think that they might look stupid in front of their peers, all those things. So you have to establish what that is. It may be from past experience because sometimes when you're introducing certain kinds of training where people are being called on spontaneously and things like that, they've been demeaned. And so we have to like let them know that this is a positive thing. It's something to build confidence in ourselves, something to build confidence in their conversations with other people. And that it's practice. It's not something that we're expecting perfection on, that we're going to have a little bit of fun with it, and that it's something that's going to stick because we know that it gets results. But then ask them what their thoughts are on it. Ask them if they have any questions and let them know specifically how it looks in the agency. So we're going to be doing this. Like we do it. Our team now knows that we do a role play show on Tuesday. So now we just have them watch that. And then on Wednesdays, we debrief the role play. And they do the role play. So they know exactly where it is. And then with coaching all day long, we have conversations and we're role playing all day long. So it's become a part of our culture. And I think that's the thing is if you stick with it, it becomes a part of your culture and the changes make, then you go on to the next one. But if you're deploying too many things at once, I think that's really hard to manage. I think you've got to be okay with some bumps in the road. There are going to be when you're changing anything. Before I hired Kristen and Cameron, I was the guy. I would literally drive around to the, at that point, I probably had four or five agencies. I'd drive around to everyone every day because I was the guy. I'd go sit there for one hour. I'd talk to them, go on to the next one. 
And I decided I was kind of forced to change because I was getting bigger besides my agency. And so that's where I hired a Cameron, hired a Kristen. But I remember this was probably right on five years ago. We decided to fly away to this event for two days. We brought 12, 13 of our team members. It was a seminar on insurance and how to be successful. And my team saw, man, Jeremy is moving the bar up. He's trying to take the bar up even higher. And we had always been successful and made every trip and all that. But they saw that. And I remember at the end of these two days, we rented a conference room in the airport, I think it was, before we flew home and just went around and said, what were your takeaways? What are your thoughts? And it was one of the most emotional couple hours of my (laughs) career. I had grown men crying. They were proud that they had been to this two-day event. They didn't know what was going to happen. They were worried. They were excited. And within two weeks, nine of them quit. Mm -hmm. No way. And we never lost numbers from that. I remember their numbers were low. That was the thing. It's like we were trying to raise the bar and figure out how to do that. That was the beginning of our journey. And it was when I first started working here. And I remember on break, like three of them came up to me and said, am I going to get fired when I get back? A lot of people weren't here for the right reason, I think. And I think when you start to make change, you have to assess like why everybody's there. If they're there for the right reason, then they're up for the change. If they're not there for the right reason, they're really not up for the changes. If you're an agency, most have two, three people. You've just got to be okay with that. Ours was a little extreme because we have so many people, but to lose nine was a very big he, impact he on, on the agency. We were very stressed <laughs> out, but we do the same thing that we recommend to, if you have just one agency, you're going to go through some changes. If you're making that decision that I want to raise the bar for my agency, mm-hmm. I want to be in that growth mindset. It's not just about, okay, I'll write a check and good. We start producing more policies. There's going to be a lot of things you got to experience and go through to get there. You talk about the other day, I thought you had a really unique way that you kind of transitioned looking at team, but really structure the way that you've structured your office, I thought was unique. And so I just want to make sure that we touch on that. So you should win the $40 million book and you have five service team members And when people hear that, it's like, what in the world? That's impossible. I mean, how do you do that? So just talk about your unique way. Again, it kind of goes back to the same thing, the theme that we have, which is mindset first, and then how you've actually brought that down into a structure in your office. I remember it was probably 13, 14 years ago, the buzzword around corporate for pretty much every company was specialization. I would get calls from my managers every other day, Jeremy, why are you not specializing? That's crazy. Do you go buy a car and then call your sales guy to change your oil? You got to specialize. Service, sales, they're totally separate jobs. And I have never bought into that. And I've fought it from day one. Where we are now is a happy medium. But we sell 400 policies a month just off of our everyday service calls. Everyday service calls where they're making a payment, they're changing cars, they bought a car, they need to update their phone number. There is so much opportunity there. I kept a statistic on myself because I'm still very in the trenches, love taking calls, talking to customers. But for 20 years, every 10 phone calls that come into my agency, no matter what it is, I'll sell three things. They are there if you're following the process and doing things right. You don't just take a payment and say, here's your receipt, go have a good day and leave it at that. Every single one of those calls is an opportunity to review and find something, not just to sell them, but to help them be better off when they get off the phone with you. And so I never wanted to lose those 400 policies a month. 
And I knew if I put my service people on there, they're in service because they like service. They're not in service because they love sales. And so why would I have the first line of defense, first people answering the phone call be my non-sales people? It never made sense to me. And so the way that we have our team, and you can talk about the separation of the team because that was your idea, but the first people that answer my phone calls, and we take 250 phone calls a day, are my sales team, my salespeople. Now, having said that, I understand that there can be super complicated billing questions that you don't want to pull your salespeople off and have them spend two hours on or maybe following up on something that went wrong in the system or maybe a brokered piece of business you have to write. We take that off of their plates by, with these five service people. So I have people that do that. Somebody needs an earthquake policy that we don't write. We got to go broker it out. I don't want my salespeople spending time on that. Or a customer calls in, hey, I've made 13 changes to my policy in the last two weeks. Can you go through line by line each one and how it impacted my bill? I don't want my salespeople doing that. But I do want them paying the customer's bills. I do want them adding that new car because they'll transition those into sales. My inside sales team, that's all they do. They sell 100% of their policies from those everyday service transactions. I buy zero leads for my inside sales team and they all sell. Our top salesperson is on our inside sales team doing those everyday service processes. They get a lot of referrals too. So, But we're talking about constantly evolving and changing things. And it was probably... Four years ago, I decided we needed more structure. Maybe I was pushed into it, but um, <laughs> I felt we needed more structure in the agency. So we started doing this thing called EOS, Entrepreneurial Operating System. Cameron, Kristen, and I would fly down to Houston for a day or two at a time and really just rip the whole business apart and put it back together. And that's where Kristen had a great idea down there of how we could maintain that side of the business and also add leads. Talk a little bit about your idea on splitting that. Yeah. So we knew that we had to do something and we wanted to do leads, but it's just really hard to make people who are taking inbound calls have that consistency with leads. You have to be consistent every single day, calling a certain amount of them, filling your pipeline. And it's a different type of business too. So we did notice that there were a few people on our team that would be better suited for those types of calls. Like they just weren't, you know, the troubleshooting and the follow up mm -hmm. and all that stuff just wasn't there for the customer service side, but they were good at sales. And so I just thought, why not just have them do straight calling out? Like just have, and so we ended up separating our team into an outbound side and an inbound side, pretty much equal number of people on each side. That varies between like anywhere from nine to 11 people, just depending mm -hmm. on what we're doing with the team, but 10 on each side, I guess I would say. And now we have these separate teams and it's been really fun because you can see the difference in the personality of what needs to be on one side of the business versus the other side. And we've had a lot of fun interviewing for those positions. Usually when we interview, we can tell, but we always ask them, there's two sides of the business, one where you're inside the book talking to customers doing customer service and cross-selling, and then the other side of the book where you're doing outbound calls. And the inbound side does outbound calls too inside the book. They'll call for monolines and cross-sales and win-backs and things like that, but they can do it when they're not busy with taking the inbound calls. So it just depends on how busy their day is. 
So they do have that opportunity, but outbound is strictly leads. So we're buying those leads for that team. So yeah, I think what most agencies and what I would have done in the past before this, I would have just had everybody do the same thing. Okay, you get a couple leads here, then go answer that billing question, then do a couple leads. And Mm -hmm. it's just, they're very different things to shift Mm -hmm. gears like that. It makes it tough. So that's why I just love that idea, moved on it. And now we have totally separate teams, but on our outbound team, what we've realized is just the importance of consistent leads every Mm -hmm. single day. A lot of agency owners I hear, they say, yeah, I'll try a few leads and they give their people like one or two leads a day. We've found 10 to 15 new leads every single day is Mm -hmm. what truly will help somebody write the numbers that you want them to write that they want to write. So, And again, another thing with the outbound team that we did not want, it's kind of the same as like the customers and onboarding the customers and wanting them to stay with our agency. It's the same with people who are making those outbound dials. We did not want their mental to go down or churn through those positions where they yeah. were just like called offs and they weren't getting good leads. And then they were just leaving. Like we'd have them for six months to a year and then they, we just would burn them out. And so we're really careful about watching for the signs of burnout, having high communication with our team. And we have strategies in place to retain them in that. We haven't lost anybody on the outbound team for yeah, we're, a very uh, long time. I'm a big believer in the mental side of your people. We have a saying, happy people sell more. And so <laughs> yeah. I truly try to, that's my goal every day is try to make my sales team happier. And so what we do now is we flip-flop days. One day, my salesperson my, on the outbound team will be working traditional internet leads where they're making 150, 200 dials a day and calling leads. The next day they come in and they're taking live transfers. The next day they go back to lead. So every other day they're swapping. I did that purely for the mental side of things. If somebody's dialed 200 times, nobody's answering that day. I don't want them to come in the next day thinking, oh, I got to do that again. So instead they come in thinking, oh, I got a break from the traditional leads. Now I'm on, uh, people are going to be calling me. That's made a huge difference. So that's my form of specialization within the outbound team. It's super fun it. too. Yeah. yeah. I love but, the personalities. But the, but the people on the outbound team, they literally would not know how to do a change on a policy. If somebody called yeah. me they had a car, they don't have any idea. That's what the service team and the inbound team is for. Yeah, that's great. You both have given such specific anecdotal evidence of how things you've applied in your business. And that is just incredibly helpful for somebody listening to this to say, okay, we're not just talking concepts, but we're really saying like, how has it been implemented and executed in your business? And here's some of the pitfalls and things that we've been able to think through. Again, it's kind of been the theme of this is how do we start in our mind about what we're trying to accomplish and then actually bring that down to execution. So last question, then we'll get to E9 rapid fire. We'll be respectful of your time. Just role play specifically, how has role play in the office and somebody who has heard that for years, maybe they're a new agent listening to us. We have a lot of brand new agents or if somebody has been doing it for 5, 10, 15, 20 years, but they've never really been able to be consistent with role play in their office. Why should they do it? And then how do you recommend that they actually get started in their office? Well, I would first start with for my first 18 years, I had role played a combined zero times with my team. Not once. Wouldn't do it. I was embarrassed. They would be embarrassed. They would never want to do it. Enter Kristen. Hey, we're the first thing we want to do is <laughs> implement this thing called role play. It's really good, Jeremy. And uh, I fought it as the owner. I, mean, I knew my team wouldn't want to do it. She persisted. And 
five years later, I can't believe there was ever a day. I'm embarrassed that we didn't role play every day because to me, that would be the equivalent of playing in the NFL and you show up on Sunday and say, coach, good to see you. I know I didn't see you all week. I didn't need practice. I just show up for the games. Our phone calls are the games. If you're not practicing, your phone calls are not going to be as good. And five years later, our culture is one where every one of my team members likes role play at this point. Mm -hmm. And they did. They certainly didn't. You can talk a little bit about how to implement it. But now we have so much fun every single day we're Mm -hmm. role playing. We do it differently. But that is one of the very unique skill sets that Kristen has. uh, Just a very, very different way of coaching to role play which you can talk a little bit about, but how would somebody implement it if they're saying I've never done it? And I think it's so funny because Jeremy did say, and I think he's like a lot of business owners. He said, you can do it with the team, but I'll sit this one out. And then I was new to insurance with property and casualty insurance. I had been in life insurance and financial services before. So, and our bread and butter is PNC. So I had to have him help me because I wanted to know how to talk about it. I wanted to kind of get his wisdom and knowledge. And it just so happened that the more we talked about it, all of a sudden he was role playing without even knowing it is because he would just say, oh, I would say this in this situation. I go, oh, okay. So if a customer said this, then what would you say again? And then we were actually have this little banter of role play, which, and then I would say, guess what? You're role playing. But we needed him. I think the leaders need to be a part of it. Like you can't just say you guys are going to do that, but I'm not having his voice in there and having the way that he talks to people about insurance because he has been so successful in his career. People really respect that. And so the first thing I would say is if you're going to implement it, do it with your team. The other thing, role play should be implemented to build confidence, not break people down. This is my opinion. Others might have a different opinion. But if all your coaching on role play is, is would you buy from him? Would you buy from him? Not good enough. Try again. Not good enough. Try again. And you just keep on like just absolutely kind of berating them or making them feel like they don't do it right. Chances are you're not going to get very much lift out of role play. So what I do is I look for what they're doing right. And I make comments about that. And then if I see something that's maybe a little bit ineffective and we could make a tweak to it, then I'll just stop them in the moment and say, try this, try talking slower, try speaking louder, try standing up in power stance and see if that brings more power into your voice and more confidence. Mm. And it makes a huge difference because people want to know what I'm going to say, because when I do give them coaching, it's something that builds confidence and it's something that gets results. And so that's, I think, what's a little bit different of what Jeremy's talking about, what's a little bit different. To implement it, it's going to be hard probably for some people to implement it. What I would say is don't let your team decide whether they want role play or not. If you've decided that you want to get your team better, and this is a strategy for success that's proven and it does work, like we know it works, and it's something that you really want in your agency What I see is the agents who say, we're going to implement this and we're going to grow with this with our team. Like, we're not going to expect perfection. We're going to grow with this. We know that there's going to be, you know, it's going to feel a little uncomfortable at first, but success is right outside your comfort zone. And we're all going to feel uncomfortable together. That's one thing. But what I do hear when it doesn't work is I'll have agency owners say something like, yeah, I had my team start doing it. They just didn't really like it. And so, or I had my team start doing, and they said they already know all that stuff. So it's really not very useful to them because they've been seasoned and they've been in this industry for a while. Those are all huge red flags in your business because 
that means your team member isn't coachable, first of all. But then the other thing is, is that just like that game, these people who are in the NFL, they're the best of the best, right? Would they ever show up on Sunday and say, I'm too good to practice? Mm-hmm. You have to keep the muscle going. Role play is like improv. When you go in for improv, the reason why people do improv, like in comedy or for acting, even trainers like uh, Dale Carnegie trainers, there's a lot of them that do improv. It's to be quick when you're responding with other people and in situations so you can actually be really agile and not have that hesitation or fear in your voice. And I think that unless we know like all different types of situations, the role plays never end. There's so many different scenarios in insurance because we're dealing with humans that it never ends role playing it and trying to be proficient at it. It's like a study of sociology or humans. You've got all different kinds of responses and hesitations that you get. And then also we have to check in with our history and our baggage of why we get triggered sometimes when other people don't. So Hmm. It's really interesting. But if you take it as a little like kind of laboratory experiment in your agency and have fun with it, don't take it too seriously. As a business owner, don't expect perfection and grow with it. You'll do great. Well, I I always say, you know, in my 23, 24 years now, there's been nothing that has impacted my agency more than role play. Not a CRM, not a new tool, not a lead vendor, zero has impacted my agency as much as role play has. And the cool thing is it's free. I mean, for you to be at a $40 million book of business right now, and for you to say that, and you started when you were in year 18, and you said, I think you're in year 24. So you've basically been doing it for six years, right? Mm-hmm. How big would your office be if you had started this at year five or year one? Oh, I'd be 60, 70 million probably at this point. And we have, if I look back six years ago, I was probably 20 million. So we have doubled in large part because of this. That's incredible. I have so many more questions. We could go for like two or three hours. This would be like a three-part podcast, but I want to be, (laughs) thank you so much. I've really enjoyed just, I have learned so much from both of you today for the last hour, getting to know both of you. So for people that want to get to know you guys, we'll give them a call to action, kind of exactly how they can reach out to you in just a second. So let's do our world famous E9 rapid fire. So Jeremy, if you want to answer first and then Kristen, you answer the question and we'll just go through these real quick. Sound good? Sound good. Last book you read. Oh, boy. I've got a whole topic on that. I would say the last one was Fanatical Prospecting. That's a good one. Jeff Blunt's coming on the podcast later this year. Oh, oh wow. I want to watch yes. that. Yeah, he's awesome. Tell him we want him on our role play show. I, I, <laughs> I would I, love I will. to have him do that. Oh, my gosh. That'd be great. My last book was Walking Through Anger by Christian Conti. <laughs> Absolutely love that book. That's like a life lesson book. Awesome. Not that I'm an angry person. It's the title actually can be very <laughs> deceiving, but he's got some great strategies on how to communicate in there that are just the best that I've ever seen. Book you would recommend the most to agency owners? You take that one first. Gosh, I mean, I would always start with how to win friends and influence people. You stole mine. That's <laughs> and the little decide. engine that could. <laughs> I don't have one on there. The funny thing about books is yeah, Jeremy... Give, a, give him my story on books. He's probably is, wondering what's going on. I know, because everybody loves reading books so much. I love reading books, podcasts, all those things. Jeremy, I think he likes the visual of podcasts. But one day I was kind of doing the same thing that you're doing. And he's like, Kristen, people are my books. And he really does. He kind of studies like interaction with people. No, and- that, that is something that's very unique. So let's get off the book topic. But <laughs> when, when Kristen first came on board, she asked me that. And I said, shoot it. 
I think it was James and the Giant Peach in third grade. I am not a huge re. I just because of my personality, my patience, I don't ever just sit down and read a book. But you read parts of books. Yeah, I read parts of books. But (laughs) truly, that was my saying that people are my books. I study people that are successful. I listen to them and I just implement what they do. I don't reinvent things. I get it. I wasn't a reader too, up until three, three and a half years ago. Honestly, now my hack is I listen to the book on Audible at 2.5 speed with the physical book. I love having the physical book, but I don't have the time. And then if I'm going to the grocery store or something, I can listen to 30 minutes of it. So that's how I'm able to get it in. 1.75 times. There you go. There you go. All right. If there was a movie made about your life, who would you want to play you in that movie and why? Oh my gosh. The movie made about my life and who would I want to play me? I would say my dad because I followed in his footsteps. I would love to see how he would portray me. Oh, that's a good answer. We haven't had that one yet. That's a good one. That is a really good one. I think I would want Meryl Streep to play me because she's so good at (laughs) and she's funny. Like, I think that anybody that plays me has to have a sense of humor because I really do like to infuse humor into anything. So the first ones that came to mind are Meryl Streep. And I mean, it sounds kind of crazy, but Lily Tomlin, I just like the offbeat kind of wacky, like different. So, yeah, I love that. That's good. All right. I love tech. I love messing around with tech. What's your favorite tech tool or app that you use every day? Oh, boy. You love tech. Uh, How can you pick a favorite? You have them all going at once. No. (laughs) I mean, my phone I'm on quite often with things. But we have a very cool internal website that I have built that tracks all of our numbers and all of our close rates, everything in one place. I'm on that thing 100 times a day. Okay. For me, I would say Zoom because that has opened up such a world of opportunity for us, like in our role play business with Mm -hmm. talking to you, with talking to our team. We introduced Zoom into our agency about four years ago, but I mean, in COVID, gosh, we've been able to talk to our friends and have happy hours and all these things. So I think Zoom has been probably my favorite tool to use, even though the phone is like kind of a, you have to have it, but Zoom makes life go around and makes you feel like you're in person. True. Dead or alive, you could sit on a plane for 10 hours next to anybody, who would it be? (laughs) Jeremy hates flying, but... (laughs) Yeah, I'd be so If I could sit on a plane next to anybody, who would it be? Katherine Hepburn. I don't know why I'm fascinated with Katherine Hepburn and her life. I love the way that she, I read her book one time and the way that she grew up, she was super intelligent, super driven. She charted her own course in a time where being an independent woman wasn't really like looked on as favorably. And so I probably would want to sit by her and talk to her even more. Maybe Bill Gates, just because he has that same growth mindset, always driving and trying to grow, and I'd like to pick his brain. We just finished the decade, right? 2010 to 2020. 10 years ago, I had no idea this would be so hard, fill in the blank. Yeah, I don't look at things as being so hard. I just do what you got to do to get it done. I mean, honestly, like I know everybody says COVID, and I just always think, what do I have to do to get it done? Like, I don't think of everything is so hard because I'm so grateful for so many things in my life. Like COVID's been hard, but COVID's been a blessing in a lot of ways too. And any situation, I know that there's always going to be, it all changes. Like that's the one variable that always happens. And so 
I never really look at things as being so hard. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I would say the same thing. I never look at anything as in the way I'll do what it takes to make it work. But I would say 10 years ago, I probably had a team of 10. Now I have 40. That is definitely more challenging. Just yeah. HR stuff with that many people. But again, I don't look at it as difficult. You hate that. Favorite place you've ever traveled to? Mine is Rome. My favorite place probably has to do with my favorite memories. And I have some of my favorite memories in Laguna Beach, California. I just love it down there and mm. just love the how I feel when I'm down there. I mean this. A lot of people look up to both of you as inspiration for the business that you both have been able to do, how you impact so many people every single week. Who is somebody that you look up to? Who's an inspiration to you that you follow? Oh, there's a lot of people that inspire me. I love Will Smith. I love his drive and passion. I love a guy named Prince EA who does a lot of like poetic rap, but about life stuff that's just, he's kind of different. And I really respect Cheryl Sandler just because I think that she's taught women how to be in business and be strong and infuse their personalities into business and also be a family person. I would say, and you'll recognize his name, maybe Troy Korsgaden. He was probably my original mentor 25 years ago, saw him speak, and he reached out to me when he heard about our role play business, and we've become great friends, and we talk often. He's been a big influencer on our business. Yeah, we had him on the podcast several weeks ago, and I've stayed in touch with him. Pretty amazing guy. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I think he's Last... the original one in our space. I, yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I agree. All right, last question. Best piece of leadership advice you've ever received? I would say follow a process and take the emotion out of it. So we learned that in EOS. And I think that both Jeremy and I, because we treat our team like family, we get a little emotional sometimes. And making an emotional decision in the business sometimes isn't the right decision long term. But if you have a process, it takes the emotional out of it and you feel good about it. So follow a process and then make your decisions based on the processes that you put in place versus emotion. I would say when you're running a team, make it simple for them. I see so many owners of any business overcomplicate things. My first boss that I ever worked for, I went to work for a very successful agent for two years to learn the business. And it wasn't necessarily leadership advice, but the best advice I've ever received was keep it simple. Just talk to 20 people a day about insurance and you'll succeed. And that's the same kind of mindset I want my people being in is just remember, it all goes back to simplicity, just connecting with people and you'll succeed. So I'm not one that really complicates things with all these charts and graphs and check boxes. Keep it simple. We just talk to people and sell insurance. Very simple. This has been fantastic. Seriously, I hope that we're able to have you on the podcast in the future. And just I've got so many other things I want to talk to you about. But if people want to know more about you, how you can help them, what's the best way for them to be able to get in touch with you? Well, we actually have a business that we can actually be your team coach in. So it's called Roleplay at the Olson Agency. When Jeremy six years ago said, I don't do roleplay, the universe bit him and made him start a business. So that's what happens sometimes is you put something out there and say, I'm never going to do that. And then you end up doing something really big with it. So we have a roleplay business where we do a roleplay with the whole country at this point, every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern. It's super fun, very interactive. 
So if you want to find out more about that, we're at www.insuranceroleplay.com. That's a super simple website. And then if you want to get a hold of Jeremy or myself, you can literally just email us, Kristen at insuranceroleplay.com. And his is Jeremy at insuranceroleplay.com. <laughs> so super simple. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much for your time and hope to have you back on in the future. Yeah, thank yeah, you. Thank you. I think you can see why I left with so many additional questions I wanted to ask them. I felt like we just scratched the surface. I mean, so many things came out of it. Just the way he structures his team, the different ways that he approaches it with a growth-oriented mindset, the way that role play has just transformed their business and how he started that when he was 18 years into the business. So it's never too late for you to be able to grow Put your oxygen mask on first. Develop yourself first. Self-leadership precedes team leadership. If you're getting better, then the entire team is getting better. And man, what an amazing example of Jeremy. And then to have the humility and to have the vision to bring people in like Kristen and all the rest of his team and develop them and invest in them and to be willing to just bet on himself is just an unbelievable example of leadership, of mindset, of growth, quite frankly. One of the things that really is going to stand out to me is just his emphatic. You could feel it, right? We will grow no matter what. Every single year, we will grow no matter what is against us, what obstacles are in the way, what roadblocks are in the way, no matter what changes happen in the industry with the company he represents, et cetera, he will grow. Change management, having the first mindset, but being willing to push through those difficult times. Obviously, we all have face changes. We did it just this past year with COVID, but just his way of going through that. I love the fact that they talked about how he was willing to acknowledge his weaknesses, the areas that he's not necessarily strong. He wasn't a professional sales trainer and to bring someone in like Kristen and they do an unbelievable job at insurance role play, the uh, role play at the Olson agency. Absolutely. Check them out. Go to the website, insuranceroleplay.com. They are the best in the country at helping you to be able to implement role play in your agency. Their sessions every single week on Tuesday are fun, insightful. No wonder that they've been able to build role play at the Olson Agency, RPOA, to such to having so many people now to join them every single week. So check them out. Hope to be able to have them back on. Hey, are you wanting to grow your business? One of the ways, you know, Jeremy talked about this, the importance of leads. He, he talked about his conversion ratio, which is unbelievable. And one of the companies that really be able to help you to be able to get more leads in is our friends at DirectClicks. Matt, Matty Jones, at a minimum, make sure that you've downloaded our marketing ROI tool that they have created for free. Just put in your email address and they'll be able to send it to you. Make sure that you are getting a good investment. What lead companies are working? Is it live transfers? What about from this company or for another company? So download that free tool or go to directclicksinc.com, directclicksinc.com. Until next episode, lead well. <laughs>